stop. This message could save you from investing your precious time into a true crime story that goes nowhere. Avoid that disappointment. You need True Crime Feed Podcast. Unlimited premium true crime curated for you. Find out about a female serial dater turned serial killer. The truth about the D.A.R.E. program. Bizarre black markets, political murder plots, and a school for troubled teens so horrific it could be a Stephen King novel. True Crime Feed sifts the archives from the past decade to select the best cases and gives you a quick overview sprinkled with a teensy bit of humor, plus a weekly top three power ranking for shows currently trending, and lets you know what shows to send down your podcast queue trapdoor. You know you want those thrill chills, so come and get them. Subscribe to True Crime Feed. That's True Crime F-E-E-D wherever you get your podcasts. It was the morning of Tuesday, November 16th, 1999. It was an eerie time on a quiet street in Charlotte, North Carolina. The serene atmosphere was interrupted when a distress call reached the police dispatch shortly before 12.30 a.m. The operator asked whether police, fire, or medical assistance was required, and the response came urgently. The distressed caller was a 24-year-old woman, eight months pregnant and severely wounded. She relayed to the operator that she was at Wessex Square, having sustained gunshot wounds to her neck and back while driving. Despite her injuries, she managed to guide her car into a driveway and call the police. And what she told them next would be a revelation that shocked the community. This is the tragic story of Sharika Adams. Sharika Adams came into the world on June 30th, 1975, in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. She was brought into this world by her mother, Sandra Adams, and her father, Jeff Mooney, Sadly, her parents' union was short-lived, leaving 17-year-old Sandra to navigate single parenthood. Sharika was born with a permanent bald spot on the crown of her head, a mark that's the result of an unusual story. Sandra's father, a lifelong farmer, had just finished toiling in the fields when he returned home to discover his daughter going into labor. They hopped into the car and sped toward the nearest hospital. In an effort to preserve the family's good car, Sandra improvised by using her fingers to delay Sharika's birth, resulting in the permanent bald spot on the crown of her head. Despite the unconventional circumstances, Sandra's parents played a supportive role in raising Sharika. Sandra, against the odds, managed to graduate from high school on time. This was a noteworthy achievement for a single mother in North Carolina. The Adams family took pride in their heritage, emphasizing the importance of passing it down through generations. Sharika's grandfather would take her on tractor rides across the family land, envisioning the future and discussing the children she would one day raise. Sandra was adamant about college being the next chapter for her. Following her parents' insistence, she pursued and earned a bachelor's degree in psychology. 
Throughout this period, she visited Sharika every weekend and, upon achieving financial stability, took full custody of her child. Sandra made it a point to teach Sharika the value of independent thinking, encouraging her to be a trailblazer and to always follow her heart. Sandra fondly remembered Sharika as a person who was compassionate, outgoing, and friendly, highlighting these qualities that defined her cherished daughter. In her own journey through young adulthood, Sharika initially dedicated three years to pursuing a communications degree at Winston-Salem State University before transferring to the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. During this time, a cousin involved in real estate suggested that Sharika give it a try. Eventually, Sharika left college and entered the real estate profession, becoming one of the youngest agents for a prominent city builder. She also dabbled in acting, making appearances in movies such as House Party 3. When real estate and modeling slowed down, Sharika found additional income as an exotic dancer. Sharika's life was on an upward trajectory. She successfully modeled for clothing advertisements and excelled in real estate, affording her the luxury of purchasing two expensive luxury cars. Engaging in the circles of the newly affluent, she worked as an exotic dancer at the Diamond Club and mingled with sports figures from both the Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers. It was at a summer barbecue in 1998 that Sharika encountered Ray Carruth, a young wide receiver for the Panthers. But just who was Sharika's new love interest? Ray Carruth's life began in 1974 in Sacramento, California. He was born to Theodore Swift and Charles Wiggins. Despite being a Wiggins from birth, he adopted the Carruth surname and retained it even after his parents' divorce. Raised primarily by his mother and stepfather, Samuel Carruth, Ray navigated a challenging environment marked by drug abuse and crime. Despite the adversities around him, Carruth stood out as a success story in his Oak Park neighborhood. Securing a full-ride scholarship to the University of Colorado as a sophomore, he emerged as a prominent figure with a unique blend of popularity and reserve. He was voted as prom king twice due to his popularity. However, Carruth's quiet demeanor, grudge-holding tendencies, and inherent mistrust added layers to his complex personality, which would come into play as he got older. Throughout his teenage years, Ray alternated living arrangements, spending time with his grandmother amid a strained relationship with his mother. Carruth's disciplined approach extended to his academic pursuits, attending classes diligently and steering clear of college party scenes. Goal-oriented, he arrived at his University of Colorado recruiting trip, impeccably dressed, armed with a briefcase, notebook, and pre-prepared questions, reflecting his determination to achieve fame. It would be at the University of Colorado that Ray began his football career. Throughout his early playing days, Ray developed a connection with his young fans. 
One notable instance involved him meeting a child after a game, where he not only signed an autograph, but also attended the child's birthday party the following week. The child had expressed that Carruth was his favorite player, and the gesture demonstrated Carruth's unexpected warmth towards his young admirers. In the 1997 NFL Draft, Ray Carruth was selected as the 27th overall pick. Beginning as a rookie, his undeniable talent propelled him ahead of several seasoned veterans, earning him a spot on the all-rookie team that year. Mirroring his high school persona, Carruth was recognized for his quiet and solitary nature. Unfortunately for Ray, the promising trajectory of his career took a downturn after his promising start in 1997. Carruth's professional journey was marred by injuries, disrupting most of his early seasons. As his injuries took a toll, his relationship with his teammates dwindled and he became resistant to taking on new responsibilities. Ray was asked to take on the role of punt returner, but he refused due to the physical aspects of the position. Notably, he changed his jersey number five times, attributing it to concerns about how certain numbers made him look and a desire to avoid any association with famous former players. As Ray Carruth's football career unraveled, tensions escalated in his personal life. While in college, Carruth and his high school sweetheart, Michelle Wright, were expecting a baby. Despite his absence during the birth, he insisted on the baby being named after him, a wish that Michelle honored. However, Carruth had minimal involvement in his son's life as Michelle had full custody. Facing legal action, Michelle sued Ray for child support, resulting in a court order for him to pay $5,550 per month. In an attempt to negotiate, he met with Michelle outside of court and convinced her to accept $3,000 per month under the condition that he would become a more involved father. Unsurprisingly, Ray failed to fulfill this commitment. That is when Michelle got her first glimpse of Ray's darkness. During a heated conversation with Michelle, he allegedly told her that she shouldn't be surprised if she were involved in a fatal car accident one day soon. When asked about this at a later date, he claimed it was intended to be a joke. Child support remained a contentious issue for Carruth due to another pregnancy this time with a woman named Amber Turner. Showering her with money, clothes, and Alexis during their relationship, Carruth faced another predicament when Turner revealed that she was pregnant. In response, he yet again made troubling comments about potentially sending someone to harm her. He shockingly added that he would hurt his first child to save money, attempting to coerce Turner into terminating the pregnancy, a decision she eventually made. Reportedly, Ray's primary concern was financial. With his football career in a state of uncertainty, he faced setbacks such as being benched in September after a critical dropped pass and a two-point loss to the Jaguars. Subsequently, in mid-October against the 49ers, a left ankle sprain sidelined him for a month, further derailing his season and stagnating his career. Compounding these challenges was a massive financial strain. He was already paying child support for one child, made unwise investments, 
generously lent money to family for extravagant expenses and purchased expensive rims for his cars. Worried about his long-term financial well-being, Ray Carruth's concerns would eventually escalate to a tragic and deadly level. The paths of Ray and Sharika crossed on a fateful day in the summer of 1998 at a pool party. The connection between them was so profound that Sharika introduced Ray to her father on the same day. While they casually saw each other intermittently while dating other people, Ray and Sharika rekindled their relationship in the winter of 1998 when Ray attended a birthday party at the club where Sharika worked. Ray Carruth asserted that his relationship with Sharika was strictly casual and confined to a no-strings-attached sexual dynamic. According to Carruth, they hooked up about five times, never delving into serious discussions, never dating, and never engaging in extended phone conversations or visits to each other's homes. However, Sharika's friends presented a contrasting perspective. They claimed that Sharika harbored aspirations of building a family with Carruth and that it was always her plan to have children with him. The dynamics between Ray and Sharika took a significant turn when Sharika discovered she was pregnant. Even before she informed Ray of the news, she had already decided against an abortion. Having undergone one in a previous relationship, the experience weighed heavily on her conscience and she was not looking to experience that again. Ray Carruth, on the other hand, held a different stance. While he denied explicitly asking Sharika to abort their child, her friends and family asserted otherwise, insisting that he was stringent about avoiding the financial implications of having another child, especially considering his potential income reduction. Despite Carruth's objections, Sharika remained steadfast in her decision to continue with the pregnancy. She was now preparing to navigate single parenthood. Interestingly, Ray Carruth's sentiments toward the child seemed conflicted. Despite allegedly advocating for an abortion, he participated in birthing classes with Sharika, creating a sense of mixed signals. However, these actions would later be revealed as part of his deceptive intentions. In Carruth's clandestine world, he associated with individuals known as New York and Little Man. New York, a formidable figure at 286 pounds, had a history of extreme actions for money, including setting a fellow prison inmate on fire. Little Man, while less intimidating, possessed proficiency with guns and had experience in illicit dealings. For someone seeking extra-legal solutions, New York and Little Man seemed like valuable assets. During sworn testimony, New York claimed that Carruth instructed him to meet after one of Sharika's classes with the plan to assault her and induce a miscarriage. However, New York failed to follow through, being a skilled con man who exploited Carruth's vulnerabilities. Despite initially agreeing to find Sharika at her apartment and harm the child, New York continuously delayed the process, accepting cash payments of $300 and $2,000. Eventually, they settled on a plan to carry out the tragic act of ending Sharika's life 
on November 15, 1999, when Sharika reached approximately seven months into her pregnancy, she received a call at her apartment from Carruth. Ray had asked her to go to the movies with him. Sharika agreed, drove to his house, and then contacted her mother. When Sharika got there, she started feeling uneasy. She observed unfamiliar men coming and going and witnessed sketchy transactions outside the house. As the feeling lingered, Sharika told her mother, something's not right. Sandra advised her daughter to cancel the movie and head home. As Sandra remained on the phone, she heard Sharika convey these sentiments to Karuth. Despite Sandra's counsel, she could only listen helplessly as Karuth persuaded her daughter to proceed with the plans. Subsequently, they embarked on their journey in Carruth's modified white Ford expedition, heading to Regal Cinemas for a late screening of The Bone Collector. The original plan was for the couple to end the night at Carruth's home, but that plan would change. Sharika's roommate later testified that around midnight, she received an unexpected phone call from Sharika, who mentioned that Carruth was coming home with her. She was calling her roommate to ask if she could tidy up her bedroom before they got there. A prosecutor later asserted that this change of venue was a crucial element in Carruth's plan. The distance from his residence to Sharika's apartment spanned 10 miles, with Ray Carruth driving his car and Sharika following him in a car of her own. Unbeknownst to Sharika, a gold Nissan Maxima, carrying both Little Man and New York, trailed behind her. Rhea Road, known as one of the most scenic routes in metropolitan Charlotte, is a picturesque four-lane avenue separated by a tree-lined median that takes drivers over a bridge at Four Mile Creek. As the road narrows to three lanes, then two, it descends into a hollow flanked by trees and underbrush. At around 12.30 a.m., Caruth reached that area. That is where he abruptly halted, causing Sharika to slam on her brakes. The gold Maxima then pulled around, stopping on her left, and New York fired all five rounds from a 38 Special revolver into the vehicle. Caruth then hastily fled in his expedition. Just one minute later, a wireless phone call was made to the Mecklenburg County Dispatch Center. The 12 minute and six second recording captured Sharika's distressed breaths, moans and honking of her horn in an attempt to attract help from local residents. She detailed her vehicle, her injuries and her precise location. She also made sure to tell the dispatcher that Ray Carruth may be responsible. The bullets missed Sharika's unborn child, sparing him from harm. However, the internal complications would put the baby in dire straits. Because of the blood that was now pooling in Sharika's chest, her baby was suffocating. He was delivered by way of an emergency C-section. However, without oxygen, the child's brain tissue began to die. In one of her last moments of lucid speech after the C-section, Sharika's mother asked her daughter one last question. Do you want him to be a Caruth or an Adams? Sharika's response was unequivocal. 
Upon Carruth's arrival at the hospital, accompanied by another girlfriend, he showed no concern for Sharika's well-being, but friends reported that he repeatedly inquired about the baby. Once the child's vital signs stabilized, Carruth proudly displayed a picture of the child to a friend, claiming the baby bore a striking resemblance to him. However, his apparent joy was overshadowed by the grim reality that not only was the child's mother clinging to life, but Carruth himself was implicated in her attempted murder. In light of Sharika's call to the police, detectives initiated an investigation into Ray Carruth. By examining his phone records, they established a connection between Carruth and a local drug dealer named Michael Kennedy, also known as Little Man. Through Kennedy, they discovered Stanley Abraham and a strip club security guard named Van Brett Watkins, also known as New York. Watkins had a criminal record, a history of imprisonment, and claimed to have committed four murders as contract hits. Authorities quickly apprehended Kennedy, Abraham, and Watkins. Ray Carruth was also taken into custody. Posting a bail of $3 million, he made a bold pledge, assuring authorities that he would remain in Mecklenburg County and, in the event of Sharika or his son's death, would surrender himself. Sharika Adams succumbed to her injuries on December 14, 1999, after almost a month in a coma. Now facing a murder charge, Carruth would completely disregard his earlier pledge. He persuaded a woman named Wendy Cole, who was on her way to California for cosmetology school, to let him accompany her. On the night of December 14th, he concealed himself in the trunk of her Toyota Camry as they traveled west. They would eventually stop at a Best Western in Tennessee. Carruth's mother, fearing for his safety, informed authorities and the bail bondsmen of his whereabouts. Now, one of North Carolina's most high-profile criminal cases was slated to commence. Ray's defense contended that Sharika's murder was not premeditated, but rather the outcome of a sour drug deal with Van Brett Watkins. According to the defense's narrative, Ray and Watkins had a falling out over a drug deal. In contrast, the prosecution presented a compelling case with testimony from Michelle Wright, Ray's ex-girlfriend and the mother of his eldest son. The jury would also hear from Amber Turner, another ex-girlfriend who had terminated a pregnancy due to his threats. The most impactful witnesses, however, were Michael Kennedy and Van Brett Watkins. Kennedy, the driver on the night of the incident, asserted that Ray had enlisted Watkins for the hit on Sharika and had threatened to harm Kennedy if he refused to assist in the murder plot. Watkins, the triggerman, testified that he met Ray in 1999 through a mutual acquaintance and started performing various tasks for him. Approximately three weeks after their initial meeting, Ray asked Watkins how much he would charge to harm Adams, causing her to lose her baby. Watkins chillingly responded, I don't beat up a girl, I kill people. When the plan finally materialized, it was hastily executed. Ray arranged a movie date with Sharika, planning to take her to see the bone collector in the southern part of Charlotte, 
Sharika nearly canceled the movie date, which would have disrupted their plans, but eventually agreed to go along. Kennedy, who had obtained the murder weapon, along with Abraham and Watkins, spent several hours driving around, waiting for Ray and Sharika to exit the theater and head toward Sharika's house. The trio of vehicles proceeded along Rhea Road in the darkness until they reached a section just before McAndrew Drive. Ray brought his car to a stop in front of Sharika's and Kennedy positioned his car alongside hers, effectively trapping her in. It was at this moment that Watkins opened fire with the 38 caliber gun. He claimed he couldn't bring himself to hit the baby, so he aimed at the top of the car rather than through the door. Unbeknownst to her attackers, Sharika was still alive, but bleeding profusely. In a twist of irony, one of the gifts Caruth had purchased for Sharika was the very cell phone she used to make her call to the police. The prosecutors played Sharika's call for the jury, which proved to be the decisive evidence against Caruth. On Friday, January 19, 2001, the jury found him guilty on all charges, except for the first-degree murder charge, since he didn't actually pull the trigger. He received a sentence of 18 to 24 years in prison. Kennedy, Abraham, and Watkins had all reached plea deals, making Carruth the sole defendant to go to trial. Abraham was released in 2001, after serving less than two years. Kennedy was released in 2011, after an 11-year sentence. Watkins accepted a second-degree murder plea and was eligible for parole in 2046, but he passed away on December 10, 2023. Demonstrating good behavior and earning a barber's license while incarcerated, Ray Carruth was granted parole on October 22, 2018. Chancellor Lee Adams, the resilient baby who survived the tragic shooting that claimed his mother's life, endured permanent brain damage due to oxygen and blood deprivation. He has since lived his life with cerebral palsy. However, Sandra consistently emphasized that Chancellor was differently abled, not disabled. Blessed with a radiant and infectious smile inherited from his mother since birth, Chancellor has been a source of joy for his grandmother, surpassing medical expectations. Chancellor achieved remarkable milestones. He learned to talk and walk, excelled academically with perfect grades in tailored school programs, engaged in a dance program, and developed a love for horseback riding. Through his unwavering determination and positive spirit, Chancellor not only defied expectations, but also became a living testament to the enduring legacy of Sharika Adams, a young woman who met a fate that no one deserves. Rest in peace, Sharika Adams.